Chapter One of Monsieur Lecoq, Part Two. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Don Evans. Monsieur Lecoq by Emile Gabriel, Part Two, Chapter One. On the first Sunday in the month of August, 1815, at ten o'clock precisely, as on every Sunday morning, the sacristan of the parish church at Sermuse sounded the three strokes of the bell which warned the faithful that the priest is ascending the steps of the altar to celebrate high mass. The church was already more than half full, and from every side little groups of peasants were hurrying into the churchyard. The women were all in their bravest attire, with cunning little fichus crossed upon their breasts, broad-striped, brightly-colored skirts, and large white coifs. Being as economical as they were coquettish, they came barefooted, bringing their shoes in their hands, but put them on reverentially before entering the house of God. But few of the men entered the church. They remained outside to talk seating themselves in the porch or standing about the yard in the shade of the century-old elms for such was the custom in the hamlet of sermuse the two hours which the women consecrated to prayer the men employed in discussing the news the success or the failure of the crops and before the service ended they could generally be found glass in hand in the bar-room of the village inn for the farmers for a league around the Sunday Mass was only an excuse for a reunion, a sort of weekly beurs. All the cures who had been successively stationed at Sermuse had endeavored to put an end to this scandalous habit, as they termed it, but all their efforts had made no impression upon country obstinacy. They had succeeded in gaining only one concession. At the moment of the elevation of the host, voices were hushed, heads uncovered, and a few even bowed the knee and made the sign of the cross. But this was the affair of an instant only, and conversation was immediately resumed with increased vivacity. But today the usual animation was wanting. No sounds came from the little knots of men gathered here and there, not an oath, not a laugh. Between buyers and sellers, one did not overhear a single one of those interminable discussions, punctuated with the popular oaths such as, By my faith in God, or May the devil burn me. They were not talking, they were whispering together. A gloomy sadness was visible upon each face. Lips were placed cautiously at the listener's ear. Anxiety could be read in every eye one scented misfortune in the very air. Only a month had elapsed since Louis the Eighteenth had been, for the second time, installed in the Tuileries by a triumphant coalition. The earth had not yet had time to swallow the sea of blood that flowed at Waterloo. Twelve hundred thousand foreign soldiers desecrated the soil of France. The Prussian general Muffling was governor of Paris and the peasantry of Sermuse trembled with indignation and fear. 
the king brought back by the allies was no less to be dreaded than the allies themselves to them this great name of bourbon signified only a terrible burden of taxation and oppression above all it signified ruin for there was scarcely one among them who had not purchased some morsel of government land and they were assured now that all estates were to be returned to the former proprietors who had emigrated after the overthrow of the bourbon hence it was with a feverish curiosity that most of them clustered around a young man who only two days before had returned from the army with tears of rage in his eyes he was recounting the shame and the misery of the invasion he told of the pillage at versailles the exactions at orleans and the pitiless requisitions that had stripped the people of everything and these accursed foreigners to whom the traitors have delivered us will not go so long as a shilling or a bottle of wine is left in france he exclaimed as he said this he shook his clenched fist menacingly at a white flag that floated from the tower. His generous anger won the close attention of his auditors, and they were still listening to him with undiminished interest when the sound of a horse's hoofs resounded upon the stones of the only street in Sermeuse. A shudder traversed the crowd. The same fear stopped the beating of every heart who could say that this writer was not some english or prussian officer he had come perhaps to announce the arrival of his regiment and imperiously demand money clothing and food for his soldiers but the suspense was not of long duration the writer proved to be a fellow-countryman clad in a torn and dirty blue linen blouse he was urging forward with repeated blows a little bony nervous mare fevered with foam ah it is father chupin murmured one of the peasants with a sigh of relief the same observed another he seems to be in a terrible hurry the old rascal has probably stolen the horse he's riding this last remark disclosed the reputation father chupin enjoyed among his neighbors he was indeed one of those thieves who are the scourge and the terror of the rural districts he pretended to be a day laborer but the truth was that he held work in holy horror and spent all his time in sleeping and idling about his hovel hence stealing was the only means of support for himself his wife two sons terrible youths who somehow had escaped the conscription they consumed nothing that was not stolen. Wheat, wine, fuel, fruits, all were the rightful property of others. Hunting and fishing at all seasons, and with forbidden appliances, furnished them with ready money. Everyone in the neighborhood knew this, and yet when Father Chupin was pursued and captured, as he was occasionally, no witness could be found to testify against him he is a hard case men said and if he had a grudge against anyone he would be quite capable of lying in ambush and shooting him as he would a squirrel meanwhile the rider had drawn rein at the inn of the boeuf Caron. he alighted from his horse and crossing the square approached the church he was a large man about fifty years of age as gnarled and sinewy as the stem of an old grapevine 
at the first glance one would not have taken him for a scoundrel his manner was humble and even gentle but the restlessness of his eye and the expression of his thin lips betrayed diabolical cunning and the coolest calculation at any other time this despised and dreaded individual would have been avoided but curiosity and anxiety led the crowd toward him ah well father chopin they cried as soon as he was within the sound of their voices whence do you come in such haste from the city to the inhabitants of sermeuse and its environs the city meant the country town of the arrondissement montaignac a charming sub-prefecture of eight thousand souls about four leagues distance and was it at montaignac that you bought the horse you were riding just now i did not buy it it was loaned to me this was such a strange assertion that his listeners could not repress a smile he did not seem to notice it however it was loaned me he continued in order that i might bring some great news here the quicker fear resumed possession of the peasantry is the enemy in the city anxiously inquired some of the more timid yes but not the enemy you refer to this is the former lord of the manor the duc de sermeuse ah they said he was dead they were mistaken have you seen him no i have not seen him but someone else has seen him for me and has spoken to him and this someone is monsieur logeron the proprietor of the hotel de france at montenac i was passing the house this morning when he called me here old man he said do you wish to do me a favor naturally i replied yes whereupon he placed a coin in my hand and said well go and tell them to saddle a horse for you then gallop to sermeuse and tell my friend la chanure that the duc de sermeuse arrived here last night in a post-chaise with his son monsieur martial and two servants here in the midst of these peasants who were listening to him with pale cheeks and set teeth father chupin preserved the subdued mien appropriate to a messenger of misfortune but if one had observed him carefully one would have detected an ironical smile upon his lips and a gleam of malicious joy in his eyes he was in fact inwardly jubilant at that moment he had his revenge for all the slights and all the scorn he had been forced to endure and what a revenge and if his words seemed to fall slowly and reluctantly from his lips it was only because he was trying to prolong the sufferings of his auditors as much as possible but a robust young fellow with an intelligent face who perhaps read father chupin's secret heart brusquely interrupted him what does the presence of the duc de sermeuse at montaignac matter to us he exclaimed let him remain at the hotel de france as long as he chooses we shall not go in search of him no we shall not go in search of him echoed the other peasants approvingly the old rogue shook his head with affected commiseration monsieur le duc will not put you to that trouble he replied he will be here in less than two hours how do you know i know it through monsieur logeron who when i mounted his horse said to me 
above all old man explain to my friend lacheneur that the duke has ordered horses to be in readiness to convey him to sermuse at eleven o'clock with a common movement all the peasants who had watches consulted them and what does he want here demanded the same young farmer pardon he did not tell me replied father chupin but one need not be very cunning to guess he comes to revisit his former estates and to take them from those who have purchased them if possible from you rousselet he will claim the meadows upon the Uzelle, which always yield two crops from you father gaucher the ground upon which the croix brulee stands and from you chandonneau the vineyards on the bordier chandonneau was the impetuous young man who had interrupted father chupin twice already claim the bordier he exclaimed with even greater violence let him try and we will see it was wasteland when my father bought it covered with briars even a goat could not have found pasture there we have cleared it of stones we have scratched up the soil with our very nails we have watered it with our sweat and now they would try to take it from us ah they shall have my last drop of blood first i do not say but but what is it any fault of ours that the nobles fled to foreign lands we have not stolen their lands have we the government offered them for sale we bought them and paid for them they are lawfully ours that is true but monsieur de sermuse is the great friend of the king the young soldier whose voice had aroused the most noble sentiments only a moment before was forgotten invaded france the threatening enemy were alike forgotten the all-powerful instinct of avarice was suddenly aroused in my opinion resumed chandonneau we should do well to consult the baron d'escorval yes yes exclaimed the peasants let us go at once they were starting when a villager who sometimes read the papers checked them by saying take care what you do do you not know that since the return of the bourbon monsieur d'escorval is of no account whatever fouche has him upon the proscription list and he is under the surveillance of the police this objection dampened the enthusiasm that is true murmured some of the older men a visit to monsieur d'escorval would perhaps do us more harm than good and besides what advice could he give us chambonneau had forgotten all prudence what of that he exclaimed if monsieur d'escorval has no counsel to give us about this matter he can perhaps teach us how to resist and to defend ourselves for some moments father chupin had been studying with an impassive countenance the storm of anger he had aroused in his secret heart he experienced the satisfaction of the incendiary at the sight of the flames he has kindled perhaps he already had a presentiment of the infamous part he would play a few months later satisfied with his experiment he assumed for the time the role of moderator wait a little do not cry before you are hurt he exclaimed in an ironical tone who told you that the duc de sermaz would trouble you how much of his former domain do you all own between you almost nothing a few fields and meadows and a hill on the bordier 
all these together did not in former times yield him an income of five thousand francs a year yes that is true replied chanlineau and if the revenue you mention is quadrupled it is only because the land is now in the hands of forty proprietors who cultivate it themselves another reason why the duke will not say a word he will not wish to set the whole district in commotion in my opinion he will dispossess only one of the owners of his former estates and that is our worthy ex-mayor monsieur lacheneur in short ah he knew only too well the egotism of his compatriots he knew with what complacency and eagerness they would accept an expiatory victim whose sacrifice should be their salvation that is a fact remarked an old man monsieur lacheneur owns nearly all the sermeuse property say all while you are about it rejoined father chupin where does monsieur lacheneur live in that beautiful chateau de sermeuse whose gable we can see there through the trees he hunts in the forests which once belonged to the duc de sermeuse he fishes in their lakes he drives the horses which once belonged to them in the carriages upon which one can now see their coat of arms if it had not been painted out twenty years ago lacheneur was a poor devil like myself now he is a grand gentleman with fifty thousand livres a year he wears the finest broadcloth and top-boots like the baron d'escorval he no longer works he makes others work and when he passes every one must bow to the earth if you kill so much as a sparrow upon his lands as he says he will cast you into prison ah he has been fortunate the emperor made him mayor the bourbon deprived him of his office but what does that matter to him he is still the real master here as the sermeuse were in other days his son is pursuing his studies in paris intending to become a notary as for his daughter mademoiselle maria not a word against her exclaimed chanlonneau if she were mistress there would not be a poor man in the country and yet how some of her pensioners abuse her bounty ask your wife if this is not so father chupin undoubtedly the impetuous young man spoke at the peril of his life but the wicked old chupin swallowed this affront which he would never forget and humbly continued i do not say that mademoiselle marianne is not generous but after all her charitable work she has plenty of money left for her fine dresses and her fallals i think that monsieur lacheneur ought to be very well content even after he has restored to its former owner one-half or even three-quarters of the property he has acquired no one can tell how he would have enough left then to grind the poor underfoot after his appeal to selfishness father chupin appealed to envy there could be no doubt of his success but he had not time to pursue his advantage the services were over and the worshippers were leaving the church soon there appeared upon the porch the man in question with a young girl of dazzling beauty leaning upon his arm father chupin walked straight toward him and brusquely delivered his message monsieur lecheneur staggered beneath the blow he turned first so red then so frightfully pale that those around him thought he was about to fall but he quickly recovered his self-possession and without a word to the messenger he walked rapidly away leading his daughter 
some minutes later an old post-chaise drawn by four horses dashed through the village at a gallop and paused before the house of the village cure then one might have witnessed a singular spectacle father chopin had gathered his wife and his children together and the four surrounded the carriage shouting with all the power of their lungs long live the duc de sermuse end of chapter one recording by don evans w w w dot don m evans dot com